Welcome to On the Way with Tony Crisp. Each weekday, Dr. Crisp will be discussing biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Tune in daily to start your day right and deepen your understanding of how to better walk the way and enjoy the journey. Here's your host, Dr. Tony Crisp. Welcome to On the Way. This is Tony Crisp, and this is the 365 Bible Reading Plan. Today is December the 25th, and our chapter for today is Revelation chapter 3. Well, before we get started, I want to wish all of you a very Merry Christmas and pray that God would in every way bless you, bless your family, and bless those that you will come in contact with throughout this holiday season so that you are salt and light in an ever-decaying and darkening world. If you are a child of God and you're listening to my voice and you live in the United States of America or Western Europe or Canada, then you know very well that an evangelical believer, one who truly trusts Christ with all of his heart, that person is counterculture today. We have been left behind by our culture. What used to be a Judeo-Christian value system is no longer. We have gone the opposite way. But God is faithful, and we need to be faithful, and He will give us the grace and the strength to continue to walk in the way that He wants us to. I believe with all my heart there has never been a time that I have ever lived and experienced in my life when it's been easier to get people to Jesus. People understand that we are living in perilous times that we're living in difficult days, and many are now open to the gospel that have never been open to the gospel before. And as times get more difficult, as the conditions in our nations become more unstable, it will cause many to think of God's plan for their lives, of eternity, because the things that they have held on to are being eroded beneath their feet. And so we pray that God would take this season and make it a time of joy for you, a time of conviction for others, a time of encouragement for you, but a time when others will think through where they will spend eternity and how they're living their lives. Well, let's get right to the text. We cannot, as you know, cover every aspect of these seven churches. There are these three final churches that are mentioned in and addressed in Revelation chapter 3. There's the church at Sardis. We're not going to deal with it, but we are going to deal with Philadelphia and Laodicea. It's interesting that these last two churches, that Philadelphia is the church where Jesus has no condemnation. Jesus has nothing bad to say. It was a church that was faithful and true. And it's interesting that when Jesus speaks to these churches, he always uses some attribute or some characteristic that he's already mentioned so far in the opening chapter or in the other letters. But he identifies himself as the one who is holy, who is true, who has the key of David, he who opens and no man shuts, shuts and no man opens. And then he has this characteristic salutation, I know your works. 
Now, the word there is not the word oida. It's the word gnosko, and it is to know experientially. You see, the Lord walks in the middle of all of these churches, in the middle of your church and mine, if it's truly a church of Jesus. And when you read the opening chapter, you see that it is the Lord who walks in the middle of all the lampstands, which are the churches. You see, the symbolism, if you just keep reading, it will give you the answer to what these things stand for. And even in the first chapter, John goes on to give us, as it were, the answer to all of these various signs and symbols. And so the Lord says, I know everything about you. And I have set before you an open door that no man can shut. And he said, you have a little strength. Now, that's not a condemnation. The fact is they had been faithful, and he knew that. And he said, you have kept my word and have not denied my name. And even though they were in the middle of a satanic stronghold and the very place where Satan dwelt, and there is background to that that we even do not have time to cover in this podcast because I want to get to the last church, the church of Laodicea. But the Lord has a whole lot to say good about the church at Philadelphia. He said, behold, I'm coming quickly. Hold fast what you have, that no man take your crown. You see, the Bible teaches that there are crowns that we will be rewarded with at the judgment seat of Christ called the Bema of Christ. As you read through the scriptures, you will see that a crown can be won, gained, and a crown can be lost. It has nothing to do with our salvation. It has everything to do with our service. And a person can live all of their lives serving the Lord and then turn their back on the Lord or make a series of bad choices and can spoil a life well lived. And so there is the warning of that. And so the Lord said, hold fast what you have, that no man may take your crown from you. And he says, he that overcomes, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God, and he shall go out no more. He goes on to talk about how that he will allow them to be a part of the new Jerusalem in a special way. And he said, I will write on him my new name. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Now, this is a word to the church. It's a word to the individual that makes up the church. And so there are great rewards for those who are faithful. God sees it all. Now he comes to verse 14, which is the last church, the church at Laodicea, and it is just the opposite of what the church at Philadelphia was. The church of Philadelphia was faithful and it was true, and it was small in strength from the standpoint of its appearance, but the Lord said, you hold fast to that because I see what you're doing and I'm going to reward you. But Laodicea, on the other hand, is just the opposite. These things say the amen. That is a word of affirmation. The faithful and true witness. You see, the church at Laodicea was wishy-washy. It was lukewarm. 
it was not a true witness. It was not giving a true witness. He said, I am the beginning of the creation of God. I know your works and I know that you're neither cold nor hot. I would wish that you were cold or hot. So then, because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I think the Lord is doing the best he can to try to tell them that the hot springs that were there at Laodicea that were medicinal, that they so highly prized, were not doing them any good because they were lukewarm at best. And the Lord said, I would rather you be cold. I would rather you not even name the name of Christ than name the name of Christ and it not be genuine and sincere because that throws people off. It is a poor witness. He said, I would rather you be cold or hot. Yes, hot. But he said, because you're lukewarm, I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. I'm going to vomit you out of my mouth. Because you say I am rich and have become wealthy and have need of nothing. Do you not know that you're wretched, you're miserable, you're poor, you're blind and naked? And I want to encourage you. You can go to any Bible dictionary. You can actually go online now in so many free applications that are online and read a about these seven churches and the cities of that first century Greco-Roman world. It is fascinating because the Lord takes what they were known for and compares that many times to their strengths or weaknesses. For instance, Laodicea was a place where people went to get a certain salve that would help their eyes when they were blind. There were remedies, natural remedies for blindness. He said, you think you have the answer to everything, but you don't. Sounds like a lot of churches that we deal with today that think they have everything going for them. But the reality is the Spirit of God is not there. Billy Graham, I heard say with my own ears in Dallas, Texas, He said, if indeed in most, and he was talking about Southern Baptist churches at the time, he said out of the Southern Baptist churches of that day, and that was in the late 70s, he said that in the average Southern Baptist church, he was very much in the know because he was in and around a lot of Southern Baptists at the time. And that was just one denomination. He could have said any denomination, but since he was a Southern Baptist and a member at First Dallas, where I heard him say this, he said that in the average Southern Baptist church, that the Holy Spirit could not even show up on Sunday morning. And 98% of all that was going on would continue to go on unabated. In other words, We've got everything well organized, it's well oiled, it's everything, but unless the Spirit of God touches a service, unless the Spirit of God makes himself known and manifests himself among the people with conviction, with power, with his presence, nothing is going to change for eternity. Nothing is going to happen that's going to affect eternity. That's what he was saying. And as you look at Laodicea, this is exactly what was happening. And so he said, I counsel you to buy from me gold in the fire that has been refined in the fire, that you may be rich in white garments, that you may be clothed, that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed, and anoint your eyes with eye salve that you may see. You see, God picked out the points. 
in their particular church and region that were points of pride. And he said, look, this is not doing anyone any good because you have lost the entire meaning of the church. He had nothing good to say about them. And he said, as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Boy, that's something good for us to remember. As a matter of fact, if you'll recall, when we went through Hebrews chapter 11, chapter 12, the Lord said, if every son, every child, every person who comes to know the Lord is going to be chastised. He said, as many as I receive, I rebuke and chasten. As many as belong to me, I rebuke and chasten. And he said, the one that is without chastisement, without discipline, then he doesn't belong to me at all. This is what the Lord said. The King James uses the word bastard, but the idea is of an illegitimate child. It's someone that says they're a child of God, but they're not. Because we're going to be disciplined, because we need that. And it's a sign of God's love. He said, as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Therefore, be zealous, be boiling hot to repent. I stand at the door and knock. If any man hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and will dine with him and he with me. I'll have fellowship with him. I'll have a fellowship meal with him. And to him that overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne, as I also overcame and sat with my father on his throne. He that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Now remember who he's talking to here. He's talking to the church. And he is talking to the church when he says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hears my voice and open the door, I'll come in to him and I'll have fellowship with him. You see, the relationship that we have with Jesus is forever. It's maintained by Jesus himself. The Bible says in the book of Hebrews, Wherefore he is able to save to the uttermost those who come unto him, seeing he ever lives to make intercession. You see, the Lord is always our advocate. He's always there standing by us, standing for us. And so he is the one that maintains the relationship. It's forever. We are God's children. But the reality is that fellowship is moment by moment. And it is maintained through obedience. When we sin, confession, rapid confession and agreement with God that we have failed. And if we will walk in obedience, the Bible says that the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. Now, that has to do with guilt, even within the family of God. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He's faithful to do it every time. He will do it every time. He will not only forgive us, he'll cleanse us. And that has to do with fellowship, not with relationship. Relationship is forever. It is maintained by the Lord Jesus. Fellowship, on the other hand, is moment by moment as we walk with God in obedience and when we disobey we confess that and we are restored immediately there is no waiting in line when we talk with God the Father he restores us and our fellowship is restored immediately he's faithful to do that and he's just in doing it because Jesus paid for our sin for On The Way this is Tony Crisp thanks for listening to On The Way with Tony Crisp Tune in every weekday for information on biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Fridays are for your questions. Email your questions to questions at TonyCrisp.org. Then just listen for your question to be answered on Friday's podcast. That's questions at TonyCrisp.org. Thanks for listening and have a blessed day on the way.